Hello everybody, the very first official episode of the Board Gamer Podcast. My name is Tim, and today we're going to be discussing a few of the games I just recently completed. Those being Sniper Ghost Warrior 3, Rage 2, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and Control. Uh, if I can remember in the order that I beat them, I think the first one I completed out of that list was Control. And Control is, and I'm sorry for the clicking, I'm, I got pages up so I'm not sitting here rambling and trying to think of descriptions of the games and aspects of them because I beat them, but I played through so many that I do forget certain details. I'm just trying to have them together in my thoughts, collected by having information in front of me. So, Control was made by Remedy, who are the people that made, um, and this is why I usually have enough on there, uh, Alan Wake and Quantum Break. Uh, they also did the first two installments of the Max Payne series, but the ones that they really are known for based off of this kind of game would be Alan Wake Quantum Break. Now, I love the Alan Wake games, um, the American Nightmare and the original. I think they're great. There's a book based off them that I want to get and read, but I just haven't gotten around to it. Quantum Break was fun. Uh, I, I loved the blend of real-world uh, characters and people just like Control had, um, actors that you actually know who they are, you've seen them in films, you see them in TV shows, which is insane to watch. So it, it does have elements of like a movie, which I enjoy because you get to sit back and watch the story unfold, um, certain aspects of it you don't actually have to do, and then you get to play the action. You get to do the fun actual movement and doing around, shooting, fighting, all that stuff. It's really cool. Um, Control was a blast, uh, literally and figuratively. Um, you play Jesse Faden, who goes into the Federal Bureau of Control, who she's been hunting down since she was a kid because of an incident when she was younger. They came and took her brother away after she escaped because they study phenomenas which uh, violate the laws of reality. And these, um, I can't remember what they're called, but these items that have the ability to... Uh, portray or possess supernatural abilities and supernatural uh, elements they capture and hunt down well because the piece that they found as a children she escaped but her brother was taken because she was exposed to that stuff and she was exposed to this uh being that helps her go through the game and guides her and assists her and she possesses these powers to like uh teleport to warp to control things with her mind um and she and the members that she saves of the FBC combat, the Hiss, uh, which is invading and corrupting reality. And they're kind of like this uh, dark manifestation of, uh, I'm not really sure, like they're from another dimension. So they're like this invading force uh, from another dimension that control people, twist them, make them their puppets. And they're currently locked inside the FBC with the people that are left alive. And by the end of the game, you've beaten the big bad and you're just going through. And the idea is that from that point on, you and the other, and the staff members are going through and getting rid of the hiss. Um, and your brother was also corrupt by it, but you saved him. You get him out of there. Uh, that game was relatively short. Uh, I think it took me maybe you know, like 12-ish hours. Uh, it was a good, fun experience. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, it... It had a bit of wonkiness, so being a, a brand new game, it does have its issues. Uh, and I got on PS4, which I know the PC might have had, not had these issues, but I, I honestly wouldn't know because I never looked and saw what the difference was or what bugs did exist on one system versus another, or one platform versus another. 
what I experienced was uh, the graphics wouldn't fully render in some areas. The shadows wouldn't really uh, be fully flushed out. And the, um, the map wouldn't load. So that was the one that got me the most and I remember the most because the map you need, because the, the areas you go into are very confined, but they're also very complicated from one turn to another. So you need the map to figure out like what you're looking at. Uh, what direction you're heading, when's the next turn to get to a certain door. And what the map would do is it would show you where you are, but it wouldn't show the, the paths of the rooms, the hallways, that would be blank. And you'd have to sit there for a minute or two or three or four or five. Like you actually, have to, I, I timed it. It was over a minute for sure, a few times. And you'd have to wait for it to load in. Or you have to close it out and wait a while and then try it again and hope to God that it finally loads in by the time you've already started moving around. So it was very annoying. Um, the markers would also be on the map too. So you're like, okay, well, I know it's there, but I can't just walk directly to it. So I have to go around these corridors. I need to know where I'm going. I need to know how many left turns, right turns, and how many straight forwards. And the map wouldn't load. And that was a constant, constant thing. Um, some other things were that some creatures or some of the hiss would just charge you and sometimes it's not good because you need the time to recuperate your health um health was also a pain in the ass to deal with because you had to kill them to get like orbs or some type of energy from them to use it to heal yourself and one it didn't heal enough two your health bar is very low at the beginning now when you get later in the game of course the health bar increases which is nice and it does help once you get later in the game, but it still was also like a struggle concerning your health, which is just an element of the survival part of the game. Um, but that was like a severe pain in the ass. I beat the campaign. I did some of the side quests, but I didn't go through everything. I used to pride myself on being a completionist, but over time, because of the amount of video games that were around and then just uh, the only amount of free time I have because, you know, I have a full-time job, I have real life things to deal with i don't have the time to sit there and concern myself with every tiny little nook and cranny and uncovering every small thing that exists so i have to very i have to sit and think about what do i want to spend my time doing do i want to sit here and worry about if i can find this one little piece of uh, descriptive material that exists and i don't have the time for that so i play the game itself um, some side quests I come across, side quests I want to do, and if some are like repetitive and don't share any interest in me, and the side quests are just kind of like filler to keep you busy, I, I really won't play them. So a lot of the side quests in Control I didn't do. I know they give a lot of backstory, more explanation into the game, um, but I didn't want to spend the time because I've already had a lot of games piling up at that time. Uh, during the time I got that from Gamefly, I had a lot of games currently in my inventory that I needed to get through because there were a lot more coming out and right now it's a very steady uh, increase in games uh, this month October and then for the next month uh, November it's going to be pretty busy and pretty full and then next year is going to get worse so I needed to find a way to like really limit what I did so uh, control is fun um, the power is really cool uh, gunplay it, it took a little while to get used to that um, but it was a good game. The story is phenomenal. Uh, Remedy is, yet again, another phenomenal storytelling game developer. They know how to make a story. They know what they're doing. They know how to um, create a fascinating 
plot and I give them that and they're really good with making good like mindfuck games um sorry for the language but uh it's kind of like movies like if you ever watch lucky number 11 the whole movie you're just like what's going on why is this dude doing this why is that guy doing this and what's the whole point and you find out at the very end what's actually going on you're like oh my god mind blown that's insane that's what these games are and that's what remedy does and remedy does the best job in the industry at producing games like that i love them so much for that so um would i recommend control yes 100 percent. it is a phenomenal game so the next one would be a sniper ghost warrior now if anyone knows what this game is and you know full well this game was a piece of shit at first this game was so broken it was borderline unplayable um and I can't remember who was the developer of it. It was CI Games. So I don't remember what they did um, other than the Ghost Warrior franchise. I can quickly go through and just have a look-see here. So they produced quite a bit of games. They developed a lot of games. But as I'm looking through it, I'm not finding anything that I know of that really struck me. Okay, so Lords of the Fallen, which in my opinion wasn't really the greatest Souls-like um, nice concept. I don't know if it's the best execution. Uh, I'm looking through. I really don't see anything else that really stuck out in my mind. Things that I actually played. Uh, games that had a lot of momentum and fan base. Uh, they had a lot of things called Brain College. So I'm assuming they weren't really like a hardcore dev. So I think the Sniper Ghost Warrior franchise was probably one of their big things. Um, don't get me wrong, the game is good for the fact that it is a sniper game. Uh, if you wanted a kind of realistic stealth sniper shooter open world experience and you go and take out baddies, it's a good game for that. Um, one thing that drove me nuts when I was playing it, I got a good way through it. And I was, I think, a third, a quarter done, and... Or, it was, it was very, very far. It was a good chunk of the way that I would not go back after this had happened. I got to the next zone, saved, stopped it, turned it off, turned my PCC off, went to go play it again later on. Every single resource and currency I had was gone. Everything. So all that I did in the entire first zone was just a waste. And I had actually gone through and done all the side stuff. I had done all the collectibles. I was like, I'm going to, you know, 100% of this game because it's going good. You know? Then that happened. And then I started experiencing bugs. They weren't game-breaking bugs. They weren't big deals, but they were bugs. But what really drove me nuts was the fact that I had to, once bought it, buy an unofficial mod that patches the game and all of its bugs. So I had to go out of my way to find a modding site that provided a patch to fix the game because it was so generically broken you couldn't play it. And actually, this was the second time I'd bought it and tried to play it. The first time... A couple of the buttons didn't work and they were like necessary buttons like changing your inventory opening up a menu going to settings that stuff didn't work so when i couldn't just do basic stuff i was like i'm not playing this game so i immediately refunded it because i didn't want to be stuck with a game i couldn't play so i gave it some time waited almost a year looked it up again and saw that it wasn't so much of a pos anymore so i was like okay cool you know i'll i'll give it a shot and then i found someone that 
and a forum page said, hey, get this mod with it. It patches it. It's unofficial. It's just from a guy who produced um, a bug patch for it that the company didn't do, and it fixed a lot of the known issues that just weren't being con- you know, brought up or concerned by the CI games. So I said, okay, now I'll download it and see if it works. Gave it another hour. Everything was perfectly fine. The game ran perfectly well, and I was very happy that the game functioned. Um, so some aspects of the game are annoying. Uh, you move slow. Uh, full-on assault combat's not really recommended at all. Of course, it's Sniper Ghost Warrior. Um, there are some areas where it's tight-cornered, so you have to use a silenced rifle. Um, not a silenced rifle, but an assault rifle. You go through two, three shots to the back and the head and the chest to take guys out. Um, once you get the hang of the way combat flows and the AI react to certain situations it is easy to go in as like you know a stealth warrior like a um, what i call a silent wolf and you go in and you know aggressively but silently take out an entire camp uh which is using a silenced handgun silence assault rifle going through and just blasting a few rounds to each guy uh going through taking them out um and hoping that you're not wasting shots or giving making too many shots because you do have a um durability on the silencers or suppressors sorry so there is a limitation on how much you can use them um guns as well sniper ammo is very limited first uh you have to wait a while until you've gained enough um like experience enough time in the game enough resources to hold more which I think a lot of times was just upgrading. Excuse me, sorry. Upgrading your uh, gun, or getting a newer one that had a bigger capacity, which gave you more ammo to hold at one time. Which means you know you had more ram rounds per clip, uh, or magazine more, more rounds per mag, and you can hold more mags. So it's a combination between the guns' abilities and the guns' upgrades versus your upgrades and your inventory. Um, that was like a decent little balance. So, the game is enjoyable, um, but like I said, it is still broken game. So, do expect things like my situation. I honestly, part of me was like, I don't want to play anymore. I want to. I want to stop. I want to give up. This is ridiculous. I. I don't want to go through this crap. Um, I can't believe I just went through all that, and now I have nothing. Um, so I was like, all right, you know, screw it. No side stuff. Campaign. I'm rushing it. So I ran through the whole campaign. Um, got through it. Pretty pretty decent game. Um, story was, it was interesting, but I feel like it was kind of generic in the sense that, you know, a highly skilled, highly trained military guy goes in, stops the big baddie, and there's some subplot thing, like the bad guy actually being your brother, but he's actually being controlled by another bad guy, and he was the really, really bad, big bad guy. So there was a part of the game that was kind of like an oh okay yeah this is kind of all right everyone else has done this but then the other aspect of the fact that it's of where you were who was was fun um but it was a generic concept of you're in like a third world country they're in their own little war here's a bad terrorist um he's trying to cause like some nuclear event and trying to start a war and he's causing the war to be worse um your best friend or your girlfriend or your wife or your boyfriend or your brother or your dad is 
in the league with them and, and is helping him. So that was generic. But it it was cool. It was good. Um, how the brother became bad from the brainwashing and the transferring to a super soldier with a, uh, I think it was like a serum. Um, it was like drug therapy and genetic engineering. So it was like drugs and uh, I think it was a some type of chemical engineering doctor i can't remember exactly was but he was the one that did the whole thing he was the guy that everyone thought first was captured to be doing to be made to create this uh, but he was the head of the whole thing i think it was 23 society was the name of the big group the big bad group um which was a global thing um that was being marked as like a boogeyman bad guy agency so that game is fun, um, but it is very broken. You do have to get a mod to make it work. So would I really recommend it? If you absolutely have to play a silence open world-ish adventure game, it is cool for the sniper part of it. Um, but as a whole, I would have to say no. I would say either try to wait until another sniper game of this kind of form comes in, or wait until... Or, or find something else to replace it. Um, it. It's a good game, but do I think that it's really worth the time to play, considering it also took me 20-some hours. You know, it wasn't very really short. 20-30-some uh, hours. I also bought it real cheap. I bought it for like 8 bucks for, you know, the main game and the DLC. DLC was horrible. Absolutely the worst. I do not recommend the DLC. If you were to get this game, don't get the DLC. Just play the main story campaign. The the DLC is not worth it, um, not for the headache, because it's kind of one of those games where when you get near the end of the game, it feels like the developers kind of start caring because they're near the end of the run. They did not care about the DLC. They just like cut and pasted the stuff and was like, here's DLC. It was not flushed out. It was not bug-free. It was broken. Very, very broken. So I do not recommend the game. Um, but I wanted to play it because I've always wanted to try it. I've always wanted to give it a chance, and I'd already bought it. I was already playing it. I had to finish it. I had to complete it. So it's in my library of games completed and owned. Am I entirely th- thrilled that I did it? No. I wish I had known beforehand that it was kind of bad. Um, I could have gone my life without playing it. Basically is what I'm getting at. So would I recommend it? No. Okay. Next one on the list was Rage 2. Rage 2, phenomenal game. Uh, I know there is like a love-hate with it. People can't stand it people think it wasn't that great people have like a mediocre rating on it uh steam has a 6 out of 10 6800 reviews i i get where some people come from uh yes compared to the first one it is not does not feel the same at all um the reasoning from in my opinion that i see um is that the graphic engine is completely changed uh it does not look the same whatsoever and the gameplay is different. It feels more flushed out. That feels better than what it did before. Um, I liked the clunkiness of the old game, but I feel like the more fleshed out, more um, more managed modern gunplay was better. Um, so, so this one has the better gunplay than the first one. I love the first one, but this one had the better gunplay. In terms of the graphics, I think the graphics are smoother. They're more on par with a lot of other games, and that might be the problem, that people don't like the fact that it looks very similar. But it is a wonderful game. I loved every minute of it. It did a wonderful job. 
And with Avalanche at the helm of the RPG element, helping out with that, that was great. Uh, the map is huge, but it does actually, it is filled. There's not, you know, a lot of barren space. And I actually, once I got done with the whole campaign, uh, before the first DLC came out, because I got it right before the DLC started, um, I opened up a map on my phone and was trying to find all the icons that I missed. And I did miss some, because there are some, excuse me, some nooks and crannies that they do hide things in. But the map is very filled. There's a lot of stuff to do. Uh, the southwest zone, which is kind of like a barren desert, and the whole concept of it looks like just a bunch of dunes, it is kind of empty um, because everything is covered. Everything has been, you know, blasted out to ruins, and now it's just a desert wasteland. That area is limited in its stuff that it has. Uh, the main two areas, they're kind of, they got a little bit of like greenery here and there, but they're kind of just like, you know, mountainsides and um, ranges and they're, you know, rocky, but they're not desert. And then you have the forest and you have the swamp area. Uh, the forest is the most aggravating, in my opinion, because of traversing it is such a pain. Um, flying through it is hell. You do have like a speed hovercraft kind of thing. Uh, that goes to a certain height and then levels out once it hits that height. Then once you change elevation underneath you, um, it will lower, it will raise on its own. So that traversing was, was fun. I, I liked the vehicles. Um, you get two or th you get three, you get a main vehicle, which talks to you, which is cool. Uh, flying one, which is based off of the, uh, Ranger. So it's another Ranger vehicle and then a Ranger bike. And then you have a big tank when you get near the end of it. That's amazing, but it's also very slow. Um, that thing is like a powerhouse. It packs a heavy punch because it's basically a uh, super-powered tank. And then you have the wasteland vehicles that the bad guys have. Um, one of them is really cool. It reminds me of the Mad Max car, uh, the black-on-black, -black, which is a uh, Ford XB GT Coupe. I know that for a fact because I want to own that damn thing. Um that vehicle is kind of cool, but they're all basically kind of useless. The, the main vehicle, the first one you get, is the only one you'll pretty much drive. Once you complete, uh, once you get to a certain point with one of the uh, friendly characters, one of the three that help you out, and that's where your skill trees come from, is from helping them out. Once you get to a certain point with one of them, you can get the hovercraft. Once I got that, I pretty much use that all the time. Once I cleared all of the space of the car, I would just fly around and go to things. But also, I found a way, like, you know, as long as you go within a certain, oh God, like, 100 meters, 200 meters from a uh, point of interest, it pops up on your map. Um, <clears throat> and it pops up on your compass, too, immediately. So you have that, you can go right to it. Um, but once I got that vehicle, that's exactly what I use all the time. I didn't touch any other vehicle. That was my only one. So, the gameplay is fun uh the powers are really cool once you get the hang of them you know where the buttons are i use keyboard mouse of course and once i knew where the buttons were for everything um i changed them up to my macros uh and to my uh side mouse buttons once i figured out how the buttons worked and where they were and how the powers worked hand in hand it is a fun time maxing like comboing between the powers and the different guns and swapping different guns to cause different things so the game is about you know causing as most havoc as possible so um big destructive combos using different abilities 
um, you know, chaining them and, you know, just having a big source of badass time. And the game is very fun and very geared towards, um, hard hitting, aggressive combat. Uh, the story is good. Um, you do have the same big bad from the first one, but it is a different story, different experience. All of the, a lot of the characters from the first one are here. Um, if you get, if you pay for a DLC, which I didn't, the main character, <coughs> sorry, getting throws again dry. The main character from the first one does show up in this one. Um, but it is a paid DLC. You have to get on top of this. It is so stupid. Um, I'm not going to go out way and get it because I didn't. Uh, I wanted it, but you get his original armor, his original gun. Apparently his gun's crap. Uh, but I just wanted to see the main character from the first one again because, you know, it's the first guy you played. It's pretty cool to actually be able to see him again. So he is there. You just have to get that. I didn't. Camera's like five or ten bucks on top of the game, which didn't seem right because you know you pay for a season pass, you should get it all, and you don't. You have to pay for that one extra, which I think was just its way of money grubbing, in my opinion. Just you know, how can I make a buck? You're literally making a buck. It's like five dollars or so for it. Ten dollars, I wasn't paying for it. If it was ten, five, I don't know. It might have been ten. No, it's five because I think it was a single mission. And I was like, a single mission just to experience a character that I can go play the first one for hours again? No, that's not right. To experience him in the new one? I thought about it. I know if it was ten, it would have been like a hell no, but I think five. But it was still just one mission, so it wasn't really worth my time or my my money. And definitely wasn't worth my money. So that was a bummer. It was kind of a lot down. Um, if you have the money to spare and you don't care, by all means, go get it. Because I think it's a cool way to be able to experience uh, the main character again. But the story was fun. Um, experiencing the powers and how um, the nanotrites that are in your blood give you the abilities. That was all a blast. Um, just recently, almost almost three weeks ago, I think now, when the Rise of the Ghost expansion came out. That was fun. That was a pain. Um, the Rise of the Ghost, these people who are mutated with nanotrites by an, a member of the uh, rangers who has nanotrites in her blood as well. She gave it to all her people who were like bandits, but they've gotten ravaged because they got nanotrites in their blood. Now they're really hard. I've died several times, but I got done. She was fun to beat. She was actually very easy. So once you get the salvo uh, RPG launcher that like launches either one or you can lock on and blast them all to hell. I upgraded that to where it's like an instant lock. I just used that. That and the shotgun. Actually, no, I think I just used that. Like, I just went away from her, used that, used powers to keep her back and damage her a little bit and, like, knock her off balance. I just used that salvo RPG, and I beat her with just that because I made sure my ammo and that was full. I didn't touch the whole way up the tower that I went to go battle her in. I just used that one rocket launcher, took her down. Um, but going against a wave of, like, 7 to 20, 7 to 15 guys... That's a pain in the ass because they all do a lot of good damage. So when they're all hitting you at once, it's a lot of damage. So they're doing insanely heavy damage. They're knocking your health down. You have to heal constantly. If you run out of healing abilities, you out. And because there is the ability to you know revive yourself 100% health, that's great. But you don't. You take damage as soon as you stand up. So it's a lot of you know keep yourself behind cover, uh, telling them, making them come to you. Uh, a lot of headshots. A lot of range shots. Um, a lot of heavy hitting 
Uh, I used a lot of the heavy hitting abilities that were just like, you know, hard damage. Even if it was like one take, you take one dude out. That's all I need to do. So the DLC is a very big, challenging, but very fun experience. Uh, main game, great. I love the fact that they brought a lot of people back, a lot of the towns back. Um, a lot of the same experiences. Powers are phenomenal. Gunplay is so much better. Graphics more flushed out. The game ran fine. Uh, even though I bought it like very relatively recently, um, I think when did it release? It released May 14th. Okay, so it released May 14th. I played in September. Giving it those months to get bug free, I think was did it wonders because I never experienced any uh, hiccup here and there. But it would been like you know graphics, um, computers processing, so it just like slows it for a moment, goes back to normal full speed. It it did fine. Um, the game ran smooth. The game ran great. I loved it. So, do I recommend Rage 2? Highly. I very much loved it. I think it was a wonderful shooting experience. Um, very high octane, high force, high power. And the gunplay and the abilities are just a wonderful um, change of pace. Mixing them together, having the right guns. Um, and having all the blood and guts everywhere was just... It, it's cool. I love very violent video games. And that's my kind of... That's my cup of tea. And the last one for this episode is Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Uh, I've loved the new Tomb Raider series, the new reboot series. It has been by far my favorite so far. Uh, the last one having been uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Uh, so Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Um, it's a very interesting experience. Um, the whole time it's Lara feeling guilty. For causing basically like a doomsday Mayan apocalypse thing. Uh, she goes to, I think it's like a city in Mexico. And she pulls a dagger from a pedestal. Which kickstarts <coughs> a doomsday experience. Or it kickstarts a like end of the world scenario. And then now it's fighting this legendary city kind of in like where Peru and Brazil is uh, called Paititi. And they apparently have this special box. And once you put the dagger in the box, it gains the powers. And then you can, um, they wanted to recreate the world. And what Laura's trying to do is just stop them from recreating the world and, you know, doing it in their own image. Uh, which is run by this one baddie who wants to do it, who was originally from Paititi. He was raised there, but he left to experience the world. So, that story is great. The beginning and ending of this whole reboot series, because it's one after the other, um, it's one big bad event after another, her trying to stop him. I think it's great. Um, they have semi-hub worlds, which is... You go there, you have a store, um, but it's also an area where you explore, where you actually have things to go collect, things to experience. They have these mini uh, challenge tombs, um, which are a blast, and they're also kind of like showing the full force of their puzzle-developing abilities. Um, Square Enix, for as long as I've played a game from them, uh, well, Idus Montreal, but published by Square Enix, they've made phenomenal games. Um, I believe every single one they've made has been a phenomenal experience and I, I praise them on their game development. This entire reboot series has been great and I'm, I'm probably being very biased because I love the Tomb Raider series 
and I love the reboot. The reboot's been the best thing I've ever experienced because it's such a well-rounded, well-thought-out, and such a true-to-form Tomb Raider game experience I've ever played. Uh, I've played the old ones, and they're kind of like, uh, it's an adventure with Lara Croft. These feel more grounded and show a more real Lara Croft and shows like what it is for her to experience all this and go through all this. And I, I think it's been such an insane experience to watch her develop in the games and watch their game development skills and storytelling portray her character as she grows and how she changes and how she shifts based on the experience she's going through and the world that she's living in. Um, the elements they have here, which I think most of it is based off of lore, which a lot of it is, but based off of lores with Waititi, um, these uh, sacred ancient people who have become like cave dwelling people who have been mutated kind of like how on Skyrim you have the people um, called the oh god Falmer who are the snow elves that have been living underground so long they've mutated look nothing like their former selves <coughs> they have mutated themselves and their self-mutilation to pretty much show their savagery they don't speak they speak some like weird variation of an old language um but them their purpose in the story uh the main villain thinking that he's just a member he's just like the, the leader of trinity finding out he's actually you know a high profile person from paititi who he's trying where he's trying to go to and where you've been hunting which was like a legendary hidden city and he's just, you know, an average man who's from there, a member of an ancient society that's been hidden away for years and thought to have been just like some legendary city that never existed. Kind of like, you know, when people tried to find uh, that legendary Incan or Mayan city before they finally discovered it. You know, it's 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 like a legend. It's kind of like um, um, the one that's underwater, Atlantis. It's kind of like Atlantis. So it's it's like finding that, but finding out that a person who's been walking around this whole time that you've known about is an Atlantean. Like, why why has this not been obvious? Well, he's from that area, but that area is also where the people populated. So, it, it, you know, it wasn't really a thought. But he's from there. So that was an interesting turn of events in the game to find out that the big bad modern day evil paramilitary organization trinity is run by a dude from this city this ancient city and you're trying to stop him from causing his doomsday event and you watch laura croft kind of like her mind kind of like break down uh the darkness of what she's doing and all the killing is you know toppling on her and she's feeling terrible for it and she's blaming herself for all the death and destruction and if it wasn't for trinity doing what they're doing she wouldn't be going after him chasing after him and if they didn't have you know killed her father which you find out spoiler that the big bad is the reason why the father's dead that he ordered it i'm not sure if he shot himself i think he just ordered the kill i mean he, he might have done it himself i mean honestly the dude knows what he's doing he can get around he can fight so it might have been him doing it himself but that experience um watching the plot thicken with the uh development of it it's it's really cool so the story alone is a blast um the parkouring in it i think every single one of the games had this problem and mind you this game released 
what September 14th. So I bought it pretty much new. Um, I got it beginning of this month. So I had it for a month. It still it was very very buggy. Um, I remembered getting Rise of Tomb Raider a little bit after it had been out for a while. The bugs weren't that heavy, and it didn't make the parkour that that terrible. Um, the parkouring was v- kind of broken for me. Uh, some areas it would just throw me way off course. I'm like, why? You should have hit. Like her hand touching a ledge, slipping off and going away. Or throwing the hook, it hits it, but the game just glitches and pulls it back, and then you fall to your death. Um, you jump and then hit the button to throw your hook, and she pulls out the claw and tries to grab a wall, but you're trying to throw a hook over uh, a beam to swing yourself. It, it throws you off balance and throws you off place, and you die several times. And it's very aggravating because the load time is not the longest, but it's also not the shortest either, so... It's a small gripe. It's a small complaint. Those little things, though, by the time the end of the game came around, which they all were happening during the end game, um, that, like I said before, they get near the end of the game, it's possible that developers are missing bugs because they're trying to get me a deadline, they're trying to get it done. So once you get to the end of the game, you're like, oh, shit, here we go. You know, another problem, another issue that you're going to experience as you're going to go through. Um... They all happened then. So, do I fully blame them? Kind of. I'm wondering if it was maybe also the testers didn't catch it uh, being the end game. Um, but that was another small thing that I was like, well, you know, you could have, you know, not missed it. You could have caught that somehow. Um, but that was, that was a small gripe. And that I can... I got passed, but because it was being at the end of the game, I didn't want to sit there and have to play through the rest of it. All the collectibles, all of the, um, not just the collectibles, but all of the, uh, points of interest. And you think the last, like, four or five challenge tombs that were around, uh, I didn't want to go through that and experience the same you falling off the ledge uh you just not catching something just right so i think that was one of the things that like really drove me nuts about it because it partially ruined my taste for the rest of the game um of course as i own it i can go back and play it again uh once it's been a while and they've patched it maybe those issues are gone and maybe I can go back and play it. Or I won't think about it because I'm done with it and I'll never play it again. That partially sucks for me because I I, I hate that I can never go back to a game. Um, once I've played it, I'm like, okay, there's like a bunch of things I can get right now. And I'm not going to go take my time and play something else that I've already beaten. Um, unless I'm like Rage 2, which currently after playing... Uh, Rise of the, uh, the Ghosts. I'm waiting for DLC 2 to come out, which I think comes out this month or next month. I'm hoping there's an announcement soon, but they also pushed the first one back, so I hope they don't push the second one back until 2020, but you never know. Um, it is id. They have a lot going on. They may or may not have the time. <clears throat> so, would I recommend Shadow Tomb Raider? Hell yeah. It's another one of the two new franchises in Tomb Raider. I love them. They're great. Um, was it just because I played the game for a long period of time and beat it within like a day? 
possibly once I got so far in, you know, it, you do start kind of losing your sanity and I become short tempered after playing a game for a very, very long time. Um, cause it just burns me out a little bit and then it just drives me nuts when I fuck up one, two, three, four, many times. And I just get on the brink of destruction mentally and I just, I can't, I can't man. And it just hurts me. <clears throat> so we recommend it. Oh yeah, definitely. Without a fact, without a doubt, I would highly recommend that game. So those are all the games I wanted to discuss. Um, I'm glad I was able to get through as quick as I did. Uh, with just good timing as I want to have all these podcasts never reach over an hour. Uh, the next thing in my opinions, uh, that I wanted to talk about was the new modern warfare. I played the deals. I played the, the, what was it? The beta for it. It's fun. I do like it. They've changed it up. It's more enjoyable. Um, I've been burnt by too many Call of Duty games in the past to care, really. Do I see it as being a new experience that might be worth my time one day when I have like the time, the money, and or the care to get my hands on it? Sure, maybe one day once it's been out for a little while. Um, do I actually see myself playing an online shooter again, though? Not really. I've kind of lost taste for most of multiplayer shooters, so I might never actually play it. Um, but from a person from the outside looking in, it looks like a lot of people are saying that this is a very good one and this is going to interest a lot of people. And I'm, I'm hoping that's, that's true for them. I'm hoping that people get their chance to play it and are like, you know, oh my God, this is the best Call of Duty yet. You know, they've done so many things. They've changed so much stuff that this is now a better Call of Duty experience. And I hope they're right. You know, I hope that's true. And I hope that this has becomes like the Call of Duty for a lot of people because it it looks like from the news and from the reviews this is doing it for a lot of people that a lot of people are enjoying themselves and a lot of youtubers and twitch streamers are boasting about it saying you know this is the best you know i'm so thrilled we have this call of duty out now fantastic i'm so happy for those people that they get to experience that and these are also people though mind you that are People play Fortnite, people play all the Battle Royales, people that play all the other Call of Duties. Like, there are people who choose to make their careers based off of shooters and multiplayer experience games. So, are, am I going to take their opinion 100% as an opinion that would make a difference in my opinion on the game? Not entirely, because we're talking about people whose experiences and in their entire careers are based off of these games. Uh, one person in particular, Terrorizer, he talks about the game as if it's great. Um, from the from what I'm gathering from him, he thinks it's a oh, freaking awesome game. But he also plays a lot of BRs, and he plays a lot of Call of Duties and shooters. That's his thing. So he plays them regardless, kind of. But I don't think he plays games that he hates or anything sucks. Yet, he does play every BR and he plays every Call of Duty. So, I'm just kind of torn, like, no, okay, but you'll still play it regardless. I mean, are you are you ever going to say this game sucks really bad? Or, or are you just going to say, it's great, because this is my job? I'm sure he wouldn't lie. I'm sure he wouldn't, well, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure he wouldn't say, it's great, when he hates it. I'm sure he'll give criticism for it, but he seems to really enjoy it. So I'm you know, taking him on his word, kind of, that this is going to be a new Call of Duty that 
fixes a lot of the problems of the old. And I'm hoping that is 100% true and that it does that. Maybe one day I'll give it a shot, but for right now, I'm staying hands-off. The last thing I want to talk about, um, this is going to be short, the PS5 versus the Xbox Scarlet. Now, both come out holiday next year. I am so excited to see who gets the most sales by January 1st. That's what I want to see. I want to see the data sales for holiday 2020 to January 1st. Who makes the most on the holiday? Because that's really going to make the difference for who has the biggest fan base. Now, over time, PS4 did be Xbox One. But I want to see who beats the holiday. My expectations, I want to say PS5 is going to win. But I feel like the Xbox Scarlet might get more sales until January 1st, and over time the PS5 will get more sales. But there's a lot of people out there that do buy both. So some of that data is going to be kind of skewed from people who buy both consoles, which does keep the data the same. I get that, but I would like to know what the sales are going to be like. Going from uh, specs that IGN posted on their Twitter uh, from October 9th, both have a custom AMD Zen 2 8-core CPU. Same CPU. Uh, both rock and custom AMD GPU. One supports ray tracing, one supports ray tracing and RD audio. That's PS4, PS5, so that one has a plus. Um, Xbox One, Xbox Scarlet has a native 4K, 8, 4K 8K support up to 120 uh, FPS. Where the PS5 has 4K, 1200Hz refresh rate, and 8K support. So 8K support, 4K, and then 120FPS and 120Hz. I always wonder where the difference is. Um, I don't really read into specs a lot. I learn as much as I can. I try to absorb as much as I can. Again, it sounds like it's the same, but I know the people out there who know tech more than I do is like, okay, here's the reason why Hertz and FPS is different. I'm sure there's a difference. I'm sure there's a similarity somewhere. Um, but to me, again, it sounds the same. Uh, Next-gen SSD for the Xbox and then SSD for the PS5. As long as the game boots quick, which they've shown... Um, what is it? Uh, oh my god, I'm drawing a blank. They've shown... Like... Videos... I'm trying to think of the word, not beta... They're showing like uh, test videos of the new Spider-Man game and how that one booted in like a second or two when you experience Spider-Man sitting in the railway doing his thing, being casual and average, and you know then it loads in. You don't even get to see that for like a second or a half a second before it loads to where you're going next. That's insanely quick. If that's how that SSD in the PS5 is going to load, that is fantastic. Being told... A new generation SSD. I don't care. <laughs> I, I really couldn't care less. Um, Xbox One, Xbox Girl will have backwards compatibility with the Xbox 360 and the One. Of course, Xbox's biggest thing is the backwards compatibility, being able to play all their games on one console. However, if you look at any backwards compatibility list, it always is limited. So I'm worried that the Xbox One, Xbox original list will be more limited than it was it was before with the 360, and even more limited than what it was with the Xbox One. PS5 will only have PS4, but they also have PlayStation Now, that you have access to those games. Having that backwards compatibility would have been nice as well with the PS, PS2, PS3, but they have PlayStation Now. I plan on getting it soon this year, maybe beginning next year, so I'm not really worried about that. 
Um, but again, it's not a big deal. Uh, control charging. The PS5 will have USB Type C. Thank God. I have so many USB uh, micro USB cables, and I've run out of devices that use it. One thing, my my, my truly wireless headphones use it, and that's it. My Switch uses USB Type C. My PS4 Pro uses micro USB. Nothing else in my room runs off of that. My phones are both USB Type C. I don't need a USB Type C cable. I have a bin full. Um, all that's going to go to my mom because she'll have to take my Pro, and I don't need any more USB Type C crap. I mean, USB micro USB crap, except one for my headphones. And the controller charger port for the Xbox Girl is to be announced. I'm assuming they'll go USB Type C. Um, unless they're going to do something like how Apple did. They made their own lightning bolt thing, unless they do some proprietary thing there. But I feel like that would be messing with the market too much, considering everything is either micro or it's C. You kind of have to choose one or the other. Um, if they're going to keep, keep up with all these, like, you know, modern new tech, they'll stick with the C. I think it makes more sense. Based on this chart, excuse me, based on this chart, I don't think there's a huge difference. I don't think there is enough of a difference to say one is better than the other. Um, just off of data alone from the specs, I think the consoles would be basically the exact same thing. Um, I only get the PS5 for exclusives. I, I only I'll only get the PS5 for exclusives since you can't buy them on PC like you can with the Xbox Now. And with the Scarlet, I'm sure any game that comes out for that is going to be on Xbox. I mean, going to be on PC immediately like that. Uh, the reason to own a console is dwindling, in my opinion. I don't think there's a huge need to get consoles now, especially now PlayStation Now, but not every game that's on PS4 is on Xbox PlayStation, I mean, uh, on the PlayStation Now service on PC. So you still need the console to play their exclusives. You really don't need the console for the Xbox to play their exclusives that they put to PC, and they're going to put more and more to PC, and they're going to keep more updated. Right now it's in beta mode, so of course it's limited, so of course the quantity is low, but they will eventually flush it out and then provide with more games. So do I think you need to get an Xbox anymore? No, not unless your friends play and you don't have a PC. If you have a PC, don't need an Xbox in my opinion. If you have a PS4, great. You have great exclusives to play off of. Um, many, many hours of wonderful games. Nintendo, you have to buy the newest Nintendo device if you want to play Nintendo games. If you love Nintendo games and if you're like me and you're cursed with the interest and love for them, you're going to need to get one. Because they will never stop producing those things, and they're phenomenal. So, that's my opinions for this week. Um, next week, I'm going to discuss Link's Awakening and Concrete Genie. Um, hopefully, I can get someone on the podcast with me next week. I'm not sure. Um, I'll keep out for the news so I can have things to talk about, things to discuss, my opinions on some matters. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, whatever platform you're on, if you can like, if you can rate, if you can leave reviews, I really appreciate that. It helps me out. Um, thank you so much for listening. This has been a Board Gamer Podcast, and I'll see you all in the next one. Bye.